0: have known there was something coming up about that when I got up today. I walked in from the parking lot and I was greeting people and Tari looks at me and she goes, Wow. It wasn't like wow I'm excited to see you. That's a beautiful shirt. It was like wow you chose to wear that today. Cool, cool choice. So if you are new, this is the first time I've worn this shirt before. So I'm a little from the church, my name is Grant, I'm, I'm one of the pastors here, and I wanted to tell you a story about one of my friends, uh, just to start. Some of you would have met Royce Nicholas before, or his wife Alison, she was with us on our church camp a couple of months ago, but Royce is someone I've known for like five or six years now, and I think we've gotten to know each other fairly well, both in the US and here, and maybe one or two other places, I don't know. And he shared a number of stories about his life with me. And somewhere along the line, probably um, four years ago, he told me that he had done this thing called ancestry DNA online. So basically what you do is there's a whole number of different packages where you order this box and it comes to you. And you take a swab from your mouth and you put it in this test tube and you send it off to this lab. And they basically test your DNA and they find out where from all around the world your ancestors are from. So I thought I'd just show you a little map of Royce's results this morning. So this is a picture of the globe. Um, well, this is actually our new design for our gifted <laughs> series. But as soon as it can, there's going to be a picture coming up of the globe with some of voices, uh, uh, ancestry, and genetics and things. on just kind of freewheeling now as that comes up. <laughs> but I know we're going to win, or are we not, winning today? There we go. Ancestry So as you can see, Royce's DNA is literally from around the world. I remember meeting this guy and thinking, if I was to guess where he was from, he's got a bit of a Russian vibe to him, I thought maybe he's got some Russian heritage, and you can see basically nothing from Russia, but the rest of the world, it's amazing. So I'm sure there is some real negativity and some bad reality to the story of that, but also some amazing stories of Royce's ancestors traveling and moving around the world. He is literally a citizen of the world. In his makeup, in his DNA, in his genetics, he carries bits and pieces from all around the globe. And I thought that was really fascinating because the series we're going into now around gifting is one of self-discovery. We want to find out a little bit more about how God has wired us, and really it's a time of ministry discovery and gifting discovery as we learn what God has put inside of us. And I wanted to show you that picture because the reality is Kind of like voice's biology or DNA or whatever terms I should be using, our gifting is not just a, a neat little package. There's all sorts of nuance and depth and detail and different layers to the realities of how God has wired us for his purposes. And a number of years ago, I read this book. I know I referenced this last year, or last week. But Rick Warren wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It's one of the best sold non-fiction books of all time. I'm not saying run out and get it. But a few years ago when I read this book, there was actually this amazing acronym that he used to help us think a little bit more about gifting. And now, I think what I loved about this is sometimes what can happen when you come to a series like this is you go through the list of gifting, which we're going to do over the next couple of weeks, and you pick one or two gifts and you say, Okay. That's me. I'm hospitality and speaking in tongues. Those are my gifts. Or I'm a little bit more pastoral and I'm creative. Or I don't know. I love to pray for the sick. Maybe I've got a gift of healing. And I love to teach the scriptures. Those are my giftings. But really we are so much more complicated than that. There's so much more to the package that God has put us in. And how he wants to use us. And what he wants to do through us. So Rick Warren put together this cheesy acronym. And it's cheesy so you know it's good. That is SHAPE. S-H-A-P-E to help us to think through the way God has gifted us and what he wants to use us for. So the first letter in that shape acronym is the letter S. It stands for spiritual gifts. And that is something we're going to look at today and over the next couple of weeks. And I'm hoping that as we kind of go through the scriptures and pray and reflect and discuss this in life groups that you come to a bit of an understanding of how God has gifted you. The second thing is our hearts, The H is for heart. And this is really a burden that God has put on our hearts for a need that we see in the world. Another writer calls it a holy discontent. And maybe if you're like, okay, I'm not sure what you mean or what that would be for me. Well, this is probably when you see this thing, you think, why is no one doing anything about that? Like this needs to be taken care of. Something needs to be done about that. And the reality is God has given us these specific burdens so that the church does the ministry of Jesus in the city that they're in. But what can often happen is this burden or this heart that God gives us, often divides us in the church rather than bringing us together, which is such a sad thing. And I know, like looking out at all of you guys today, that there are so many different burdens or or things on your hearts to see God do or ministries to see happen. So I thought, for instance, justice, evangelism, discipling kids, the poor, prophecy, worship, and a bunch of other things that are strongly on your heart. And what would be so sad is if those burdens that God has given us are not used to strengthen the church and serve the city, but actually are used by Satan to divide us in the church. Because what can happen is we've got this heart for something and we see the need and we get frustrated with other people because they don't see it too. The last two weeks we've had Janita and Krista come up and talk about our kids' church. And, you know, they love the kids. Janita shared how passionately like she was shaped by adults and people in the past teaching her when she was a kid even though she wouldn't know what they look like today. You know? And she's got a burden to see our kids discipled and knowing Jesus and growing up. And what could happen is you get so frustrated with someone else. Like, don't you see the need of our kids? Don't you see the need that we've got to see them discipled and grow up to follow Jesus? Or it could be someone who's got a passion for worship. We had some people singing and like leading us in worship this morning so well. They could be like, don't you see how worthy God is of our praise? Like, he's the best thing in the universe. How are we not praising him more passionately? Why aren't we worshiping him more? Why aren't we giving him everything we've got? Because he is glorious and beautiful. You guys are wasting your time with all of these other things. Or it could be evangelism. Just thinking, do you not know how many people in our city don't know Jesus and need to know him? We're wasting our time doing all of these things when we could be sharing about him with others. Or it could be justice. We see the brokenness in our city. We see like, the, the racial injustice. We see like the gender-based violence that we've been talking about. We see the income inequality in our city. And we think, Don't you see there's something that needs to be done? And we could go on and on and on. God puts these burdens on our hearts for the brokenness and the need that there is out there and he calls us to do it. But he doesn't call us to be divided in the church by that. Actually, what should happen is each one of us should fulfill the role that God has got for us to play. And while we do that, we reveal Jesus to one another and help each other grow to be the kind of church that represents him to the city. So that's heart. What about the abilities God has given you? Now, these are not necessarily gifts, but these are strengths or abilities you can do. And I, I know I embarrassed Alex last week and Nick just speaking about the fact that they have served us amazingly, just working behind the stage here on both sides in the MPC storeroom, just painting and putting up shelves and putting in lights and doing a whole lot to help us to move into this space. But that is an ability that God has given them. I'm not Mr. DIY. I can't do what they do. But they've served our church and benefiting many of us through what they've done. I was thinking of Brendan this week, who I don't often honor from the front, But Brendan is gifted in a lot of ways. He's an incredible leader. He's got incredibly high capacity. But probably two of the things I've thought about with him is he is a very analytical man. Now, I know some of you are too, but I've never met anyone with a brain like Brendan who can just take information in and just go, this is what we need to do. He just crunches it in his mind like a computer and he goes, this is the way forward. And it's such a gift. Like Some of you don't realize this, but this church is blessed by his leadership and his analytical gift. And then on the other end of the spectrum, he's also got a way of making so much fun happen that builds community. Brendan is the kind of guy who loves fun, icebreakers, and games. And at our new members' course this week, Brendan and Kimmy came and joined, got to know people, and Brendan, to introduce himself best, brought a really fun icebreaker, kind of a broken-down telephone, draw a picture, write a word kind of thing. Should have been there. You would have seen it. It was great. And I also thought about Nick Vitivian. And um, Nick has... Been so excited over the last while about our coffee ministry, if we can call it that. And I remember chatting to him and Carmen about leading that when uh, we were given this machine. It was just such an amazing gift to be given as a church. And they were so glad they were all in. Now Carmen hasn't been too involved in that because she's working for the church. She does a whole lot of things on Sundays and is a real gift here. But Nick, together with Josh Montiel, built the cart that that is on. Spent some really late nights, I think they were up till two before the first Sunday it ran. He put together teams. And with the systems mindset and the procedures mindset he's got, he was able to train the people who are part of those teams to do coffee so well. I was chatting to Ian Lucy, a part of that team, they're like, Nick has made it so easy. He's got the timing down for us, all the stuff there, this is how you do this, this, and this. It's a breeze. He's been able to build those teams and serve in such an amazing way. But the mind he's been given. But During like, the, the week, his day job as an engineer, he's just building a world first, this lithium-ion battery refrigeration system for trucks, just something that was on CNBC Africa this week in an interview, their business, Maxwell Spark, just casually doing all of that. And then using his abilities here on Sundays and during the week to serve us and create a hospitable community. There's a ton of you that I could notice and mention here, but God has given us abilities to serve the church and build one another up. What about personality? Maybe you like your personality or don't, but some of us are introverts. We prefer our own space. We energize on our own or with a book or with one person in a deep conversation. Some of us are extroverts. We are energized by being with people. Some of us are sanguine, melancholic, choleric, phlegmatic. Don't ask me to define all of those. Some of us are type A, type B. What would Myers-Briggs say about you? What, What is your personality? And lastly, what are the experiences you've had in life that have shaped the person you are today? Because as much as God isn't involved in the evil things and the sinful things that we're exposed to and go through, God works all things together for the good. And some of us in this room, maybe no one else knows, but you've been through something. You've had an experience. might have been devastating at the time. might have been really good at the time. But God can use that and redeem that in you to minister to others, to serve others and lead others, and use that as part of your gift mix to build up the church into the image of Jesus more and more. What is your, as cheesy as it is, what is your shape? Your S-H-A-P-E. Because as we've been saying throughout the last series and now we're all called, we're all gifted, we're all ministers. God has got stuff for every one of us to do in this community for His glory and the benefit of each of us. I think it would be a real win if at the end of the series every one of us is like, I know myself better. I know how God has wired me, how He's gifted me. I know what my shape is. And on top of that, I know how I serve in this church to build one another up and glorify God. So with all that in mind, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to Romans 12 or as Brendan was saying, you can just follow on the screens behind me and we're going to read through this passage together. For those of you who are interested, I think over the next few weeks we'll go through 1 Corinthians 12. There's two gift lists there. We'll go through Ephesians 4, you can look at 1 Peter 4, Exodus 34. There's a whole bunch of different gifting passages in the Bible. And we want to learn more about what God has put in us. So Romans 12 verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, he's speaking to the church in Rome. I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body, we have many members And the members do not all have the same function or role or job or, I don't know, office to fulfill. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts, or that's kind of an old-fashioned word for encourages in his encouraging of people. The one who contributes, again, this is someone who's been financially blessed by God, someone who's wealthy. He's saying in their giving, in their generosity, the one who leads with zeal and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This passage is a celebration of diversity in the local church. That's what's going on. Paul is saying, how amazing is it that in a room like this of people, There are different graces, there are different people, there are different functions or roles, there are different gifts. All of us have been given things by God for the common good. That's what he's saying here. So he's celebrating that. He's not saying, look at this one gift, he's saying, we need them all, we need what you've got. And on top of that, he's saying, be yourself. Be yourself in the church. Because we need you to be you for the sake of us. We need you to be the person God has made you to be because you are a gift to the rest of us. To make this point in this passage, Paul uses 3 big ideas. He's going to speak in these six verses about how we see ourselves, about how we see the church, and about how we see our gifts. That's what we're going to look at this morning. Firstly, how we see ourselves. Verse 3 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now he says that each one of us has been given a specific grace from God. And he speaks about his own first. He says, with the grace of God given to me, I say to you, because Paul has been called by God to be an apostle. He's been called to teach and preach. He's been called to write some of the scriptures. He's been called to raise up leaders. He's been called to see churches started all around the Roman Empire. That is the grace that God has given to him. And he speaks with his grace to us about our graces. Because we should see what Paul's saying. Think, okay, what is the grace that God has given to me? What is that thing about me that I can do easily that other people struggle with? Have you ever noticed that? Sometimes people are like, that is so amazing. You do that so well, and you're sitting there going, this whole thing? Like, this isn't a big deal. What is it that comes naturally to you or easily to you? that you can do to serve others, because that is a grace from God. That's the anointing of God in your own life. And I do just want to pause there for a second, because I think the danger with this sermon and with this whole series is this is about doing for God. This is a series that is about using what God has given to build others up and glorify Him. And what can happen is we sit here and we go, okay, Brian, I heard you, Romans 12. What you're saying is, we need to serve the church, be a good person, use our gifts, be productive, and do stuff for God. Then you'll be pleased with us and love us, and we can go to heaven one day. That's not what's going on in Romans 12. That's not what the series is about. This is not the message of Jesus. It is not about doing to earn. That is the opposite of the good news that we've been singing about today. Paul actually warns us about this here in verse 3. And he says, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to think. But think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So Paul writes there and is that every one of us in this room have been given a measure of faith. And I think sadly, the way that's translated in English does make it a little bit difficult for us to kind of get the idea of what he's saying there. Because what Paul is saying is, it is normal; it's actually human nature that we measure ourselves up against all of these things. Our gifts, talents, abilities, and skills, or our achievements and successes, our sense of humor, our intelligence, how good-looking we might be, all of these things about ourselves, we, we seem to measure up. And we look at others and we think, okay, well, how am I doing? And he's saying, but that's not the way. We shouldn't be finding our identity or our value or our worth in all of those things that the world uses to measure itself or ourselves. He says, instead, we should be measuring ourselves according to the gospel. We' should be looking at Jesus and what he's done for us and using that as the way that we measure ourselves. And what he's saying is that when we, I guess, approach the gospel and think about our identity, we can't think too highly of ourselves. If we use that other list, we can. Because if we think we're crushing it according to our own standards, you know, I'm crushing it at work, I'm crushing it in the church and the way I serve, I'm crushing it in my relationship, I'm crushing it in all of these ways, then we can feel a little bit puffed up and look down on other people and think we're awesome. And if we fail according to those standards then we think less of ourselves. I'm useless. I'm useless at church. I'm useless at work. I'm useless in our relationship. I'm useless in life. I'm no good. And what Paul's saying to us here is that there's another way. There's a famous quote by Philip Yancey. He says, there is nothing you can do to make God love you more, and there is nothing you can do to make God love you less. So when Paul speaks here about this measure of faith, he's not speaking about an amount of faith like each of us in this room have got different amounts of faith given to us by God, he's speaking more about an instrument we use to measure faith. So as I'm an expert um, when it comes to eating and baking, I'll give you a little illustration from that. I had some really good gluten-free cornbread made by someone yesterday. It was very good. But the idea here is not an amount, like an amount of flour or an amount of nuts or an amount of raisins or whatever would go into something. It's more like the measurement you use to look at that. How do you measure what you are putting in? And here what Paul is writing to us and saying is that actually all of us have been given saving faith for salvation by what Jesus has done for us. So that is how we are to measure ourselves. Not by what we do, but by what Jesus has done for us already on the cross. That is the measure that we use to find identity and value and worth. And it's not how much we do for God. It's how much God has done for us that we find our confidence in. The second thing he says is how do we see the church? Romans 12, verse 4 to 6 says, For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function or role or job or tasks. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. So we should reflect and say, what is the grace God has given me? What is the gift God has given me? And how do I use that in the church? Over the last few years, I've probably mentioned this, but I've really enjoyed doing some of the different personality tests that are out there. I know some of you guys have done this too and found it really helpful. I just maybe as a disclaimer for those of you who don't like these things or are a little bit skeptical of them or are them. These are just tools. These are not infallible or perfect These are models that we can use to help us understand how God has wired us. But I know a whole bunch of people who've done these and found them so helpful, they've put them at the bottom of the email footer, or they've put them on their door, so that as people enter their office, they actually know, okay, the way the person that I'm going into their office is wired is this way, so that will change the way I approach them. And then on top of that, I know some people on their Twitter or Instagram bios, they've got it in there, just want to brag about, I don't know, there's Friends Finders, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, all of these things. So two tests Shell and I have really enjoyed have been StrengthsFinders and the Enneagram. And StrengthsFinders makes you feel awesome about yourself. Because you do this test, and it spits out these five things, or if you want to do the whole heart, 34 things, that you are good at in order. And mine came out like this. The first was Futurist, which just sounds so cool. It sounds like (laughs) I'm this visionary, just while you're all living in the present, I'm living in the future, you know, (laughs) like dwelling there, seeing what's to come. Sounds amazing. The second was strategic, maybe less sexy than futurist, but very true of me. Belief means I'm very black and white. I've got strong opinions about things, which you may have noticed if you've been here for any amount of time. Fourthly, I'm a learner. I don't just love learning information. I love the process of understanding. And fifthly, and probably it sounds the worst, I'm a relator. Brendan is also wired this way, and so are about four people who are part of our starting point course at the moment. Got some hands going up over there. But basically, the guy who explained this to us said, "Relators work this way. It's a great team-building strength for you to have, Ron, because people will trust you really quickly, but you're going to take a longer time to trust them. Makes me sound awful. He says, okay, is this you? If you're at a party or a bribe or something, are you on the outskirts of the circle having a one-on-one with someone so you can connect with them and go deeper and build trust? I'm sitting there going, yep, that's me. That's the way I'm wired. But those first four things made me feel amazing about myself. That last thing, maybe not as much, even though it's kind of cool. But I left there going, this is kind of awesome that God has given me these strengths. You know, It's kind of amazing that he's wired me this way for the things that he's got for me to do. Like Psalm 133, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. God has knit me together in my mother's womb with these things to be the person he's called me to be. The Enneagram, on the other hand, just does the opposite. It goes for the jugular. It it really does. It goes to your motive, the core kind of motivation behind what you do. So when I did this test, I came out as an Enneagram one. I'm really letting you into my stuff today. But the description of this is ones are conscientious and ethical with a strong sense of right and wrong. They are teachers, crusaders, and advocates for change, always striving to improve things, but afraid of making a mistake. Well-organized, orderly, and fastidious – they try to maintain high standards, but can slip into being critical and perfectionistic. They typically have problems with resentment and impatience. So, strange finders, I'm like, "Woo! I'm all five of those. That's me. I'm awesome." Enneagram, I'm looking at this, going, "Yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that's me. Okay, yeah, let's get through this." And it was funny. I listened to a podcast on this while I was going through this. This Enneagram one being interviewed. He said a big moment for him was this defining characteristic of Enneagram ones is they've got this inner critic in their head, kind of critiquing everything they do. And he's talking about this epiphany moment he had where he realized that not everyone was like that, that it was just some people who've got this inner critic kind of throbbing in their head as they do things. So I went home to Shell and I said, Shell, I've got this inner critic in my head that critiques me about things, but you've got that too, hey? And she goes, Nope. She's wired completely different to me. I'm like, well, what goes on through your head? She's like, just kind of peaceful, happy music playing in the background. (laughs) And I laughed at this because God has wired us all so differently. The, The Enneagram has helped me to see how I need to apply the gospel to my own heart. You see, I'm driven on being a good person and being perfect and getting things right and not making mistakes in this critical voice. And I need to daily preach the gospel to myself that God loves me whether I fail or not. God loves me whether I do well or perfectly or succeed or whether I fail or don't do well. I need to remind myself that my trust, my hope is in what Jesus has done for me, not what I can do for God. And I know each of you are wired differently, and we all need to learn how to apply the gospel to our own stuff. The other thing that these tests have helped me is to actually have greater empathy and compassion for other people. Because as I've kind of looked at these things and seen some of my strengths and some of my weaknesses, I realized Everyone is wired differently with strengths and weaknesses. And just because someone is weak in an area that I am strong in doesn't mean that I should look down on them. God has wired them that way for a purpose. In the church, we see that there is a unity and diversity. There is uniqueness and differences. And at the same time, there's like this oneness and togetherness that God has got for us in the church. And it's beautiful. There's a beautiful picture of what God is like inside the church your gifts or your shape are the grace God has given you to serve him and to serve others in the church so Paul says to us don't think more highly of yourself than you should because that's so possible like possible maybe even some of us in the church right now need to realize that we're we're thinking highly of ourselves because of a strength of ours and all of these things have been given to us freely by God we haven't earned them We haven't deserved them. We haven't done anything to get them. God has just freely said, here they are. But the other thing is we shouldn't think more lowly of ourselves because of our gifts. And I think that's my fear is that some of us in the church today are looking at our gifts or strengths or lack thereof and going, I can't do this, man. You don't know. Like my personality, my gifts, my experiences, I've got nothing to bring. And we look at ourselves lowly, not thinking we do. When God says you have a grace from God that this church community needs, we shouldn't live with gift comparison and gift envy holding us back from serving and ministering to others. Because the reality is, some of us have got rare, different, unique gifts that we're not seeing in anyone else that need to be used because God has put you in this place at the time to bring that to us. Please bring what you've got. Please trust God with your unique gift, mates. Because God knows everything. He's wiser than any of us. And if we knew everything he knew, then we would want the gifts that he has given us. The third and final big idea in this passage is what do we do with our gifts? And Paul writes from verse 6 to 8 and says, Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who encourages in his encouragement, The one who contributes or gives in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Paul has said a bunch of things in this passage, but here he makes a few more points. And maybe the first is don't make it about one gift, don't make it just about one gift. So I think that's something we easily do. We hear a sermon like this or a series like this, and we're like 100% right. Beautiful diversity, we should celebrate that in the church. We're all gifted in different ways. But how awesome is this gift? Have you seen this person and the way they do things? They are awesome. And we undermine what Paul is saying to us here. I think one of the things I've seen, I've been in church in Durban for over 20 years now, and I've noticed almost these fads or ways or trends of gifts that have become popular over time. I remember when I first became a Christian, speaking in tongues, the gift of tongues was all the rage. You had to speak in tongues if you were a Christian or if you were passionate about God. You needed that gift Maybe over time I've seen others like become the gift. Healing was something that a lot of people in Durban were talking about for a long time. Prophecy, the apostolic, evangelism. I've seen all of these focused on and made the gift when Paul is here celebrating all of these gifts. You know, sometimes we do need to focus on one for a while. But the gifts you have, the grace you have from God, who you are, is a gift that we need in this community. The other thing Paul says is don't make it about you or your gift. Don't make it about you or your gift. The reality is it's easy for us to twist what Paul is saying here and use our gifts to get a platform. Use our gifts to make us look good. And even in a series like this, what we can do is say, okay, I've found my gifts now. I know how God has wired me. I know how I'm going to serve this church. I know how I'm going to dazzle everyone else. And rather than using our gifts to serve others and glorify God, we start using them to serve ourselves and glorify ourselves and make ourselves look good. Paul's saying that's not the point of all of this. That's not what we should do. But maybe the big question to end on today is why do this? Why use these gifts or talents and strengths or abilities that God has given us to serve the community of the church when there's so many other things we could use them for? The reality is serving others, sacrificing when we could be comfortable, um, using our time and energy and gifts and talents and money, all of that for communities like this, definitely doesn't serve us serves him, but it doesn't necessarily give us the kind of life that we would want, or the kind of life we are wanting to build. So why do this? Paul says, in light of the gospel, this kind of living just makes sense. Romans 12, verse 1. If you've got a few verses back, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, what he has done for us on the cross, his grace to us, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, there's two things on and there. The first is that phrase living sacrifice, because it's kind of a weird oxymoron, you know. There's these two contradictory terms there too. To live is to be alive and to carry on. To sacrifice is to kill and end and desist and stop. You know, so Paul brings these two things together in this idea of a living sacrifice. And he's using this metaphor from the Old Testament. Jewish worshiper going to the temple to offer a sacrifice. And when they go there to offer this. They're not offering a sacrifice for their sin. Because there's a number of reasons in this passage but basically Jesus has already done that for us. Our sins have been forgiven by what he has done on the cross, not what we do or what we offer the life we live. So what he's talking about here is a different type of sacrifice or offering called a whole burnt offering. This morning when you came into the space, Nate and the band led us in worship. And we sang songs to praise God. We sang songs about who he is and his majesty and the things he's done and how powerful he is to bring him praise. And that's one of the ways that we worship God, with our words, but also with the rest of our lives. But these Old Testament worshippers, what they would do when they wanted to really praise God, this was not something they had to do, but they would look out over their flocks and they would pick the best, juiciest, sheep or lamb that they could find and they would take it to the temple. They didn't pick leftovers. They didn't pick like their weakest runtiest little sheep and say, okay, I can do without that one. I'll tick the box and I'll take and sacrifice this and God will be stoked. No, they would look out and they'd find the most valuable and beautiful sheep. I'd say, I'm going to miss that one. It's a beautiful one. It would have earned me a lot of money, but I'm going to take that to the temple and I'm going to sacrifice it to God for His glory. Now, they didn't get anything out of this. This whole burnt offering What they would do is they would kill the sheep and then it would be consumed in fire. No one got to eat it. No one got to taste it. It was not used for anything except to be set apart to God as praise. And this whole burnt offering was a picture of the kind of lives we are called to live. We offer God our lives and say, Lord, I surrender everything to you. I'm consecrating myself to you. Would you consume me with your purposes? I am set apart to you. So to be a living sacrifice was to be God's, fully at his disposal, belonging to him. So actively, that means anything the scriptures or the spirit say, we'll do. God, I'm yours, I'll do it, whatever you want from me. Passively, it means as God brings things into our lives, we trust him and we worship him and we celebrate even in the midst of those things. And when we do this, when we live as living sacrifices, Paul says, this is your spiritual act of worship. Now that phrase, spiritual worship, is translated differently in different translations. So it's, it's an interesting phrase. The King James says, your reasonable worship. The CSB says, your true worship. The New American Standard Bible says, your spiritual worship of service, which is maybe the most complicated. But I think the reason they're is the Greek word there yeah, is the word logikos. It's where we get the word logical from. And really what Paul is saying to us is in view of everything Jesus has done. In light of his death on the cross, in light of him giving everything for us, in light of him dying in our place, in light of him using his gifts to serve us, it only makes sense that we give everything that we've got for him. In response to all of this, we live lives of living sacrifices. With everything we have, our entire shape, to bring him glory and to serve in the way that he's called us to serve. I'll end with this verse. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 and 11. Peter says a similar thing in a different way. He says, each has received a gift. How has God gifted you? Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. You guys stand with me. And we'll just respond in prayer and worship. Some of you might know this verse, but Colossians 3 verse 23 says, Whatever you do, do it from the heart. as something done for the Lord and not for people. This morning my friend Rob Duford um, at Orlando North Church in Florida bought a pair of shoes. It's the first pair of shoes that Mark has ever done for a professional woman's basketball player. And on the back of her professional shoes, she's got 3.23 written, referencing Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do word or deed, do it all for the Lord. And this morning what he's doing is he's calling up one of the young ladies in the church who just loves Jesus and is serving him with her whole heart and giving her that pair of shoes almost to endorse the life she's living for him. I just think for each of us today, we want to use the one and only life we've got to make much of him. So I would just love us to pray and respond. Holy Spirit, we welcome you in this place and I ask you, Lord, today and over this series that you would weed out any insecurity, any fear, any disqualification inside of us, that you would weed it out, and that you would reveal how you have wired us and gifted us. I pray for faith to rise in our hearts and conviction about what you want us to do, and that we would begin to do that in this church, that we would serve one another in that way, we would love one another in that way and so doing, we glorify you and of the church. I just ask you, Lord, that you would lead us, Holy Spirit, and help us to let go of the things that we need to let go to be living sacrifices for you. We pray, Lord, for us to be finely tuned like worshipper and ministry machines. So would you empower us for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name.